0: Podcasting with pride from a downriver suburb of the greatest city in the world, Detroit. It's Wednesday night. Welcome back to Bright Side of the Hump. We are on that glide of the weekend, folks. It's March 29th, and tonight's guest is going to motivate us with her story of perseverance. The incomparably multi talented Genesis Amaris Kemp will join us in a moment. First, though, Crisis Text Line provides mental health support via text. Simply typing home, H O M E, to 741741, connects you to a counselor who can share mental health resources. It's a wonderful, practical, life saving service that needs three things from us. They need volunteers, money, and help getting the word out on social media. Go to the webpage for this podcast and click on the donate link for all the details on how you can help. Brightside Patrons, tonight we have a visionary life coach, motivational speaker, author, and the founder and host of the GEMS podcast. She is on a mission to empower others to speak up for themselves. In her book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, she describes how to get from the pit to the palace despite mistreatment in the workplace. She's a multifaceted, multidimensional, firecracker and mindset hacker who wants to help others live out their dreams. Without further ado, her voice is like ambrosia for your auditory canals. Please welcome... Genesis Amaris Kemp to Bright Side of the Hump. Welcome, Genesis.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Metz. And hey, audience, I hope you're ready to get some Firecracker popping in your life.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love Firecracker and Mindset Hacker. That is elite level marketing there. Can you tell some details about your life's journey and how it led you to what you're doing now, Genesis?
1: So, to be completely honest, here, audience and Mets, I tell people that, you know, life has been a hell of a ride. It has definitely been that roller coaster ride. And with the hills and valley moments. So, how I got to where I am now, an author, a podcaster, and etc, is by life's mishaps and circumstances which made me do a 360 and really turn around and evaluate certain things about myself, my career, and etc. So, had it not been for, you know, my father getting sick in the height of the pandemic, not due to COVID, but other reasons, Then my dad passing away from other, you know, complications and so forth to being laid off from my Fortune 500 oil and gas job. One week after my father passed is when I found out I was going to be laid off, forced to work up up until February 2021 so I could get my severance package and all of that stuff. It really had me evaluate who I was, like really take time to go through the grief journey. I got tired of, you know, what so-called people thought were comforting words during the time of loss for me to just talking into the mic because, you know, people say, oh, I'm sorry for your loss or we live to die or I know how you feel when in actuality, both of their parents are still living. Mm. So I don't understand how they know how I felt from losing a parent, dot, dot, dot. To just being, you know, fully transparent, opening a mic, talking into the mic. And to me, that was healing. But little did I know that what I was laying down, somebody else was picking up. And it was comforting to them to know that everything is going to be okay. Even though we weren't in the same exact situation, they were in the vein of grief, whether it was a job loss, the loss of a family member, the loss of a friend, the loss of a pet or any type of loss, grief is grief, and we all grieve differently. So so to answer your question, life circumstances has brought me to where I am now. And during the time of going through the trials and the tribulations, it wasn't fun, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't conducive, but there's always purpose to the pain that you endure.
0: I, that obviously catches me just a little bit. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing. I'm very sorry for the loss of your father. And I find it so admirable that you can make these strides in the face of that. And, uh, very quickly afterwards, losing your job. It's courageous what you're able to do in the face of that. And I know my words are small condolence. So was there a, particular experience that was a spark that led you to write chocolate drop in corporate america
1: oh yes (laughs) a day in corporate america around performance evaluation review time where i got the review back that i was being ranked as a b in a company that did forced ranking and all of my internal as well as external feedback was deemed a ranking so of course there's always going to be politics no matter what industry you work in no matter what your socioeconomic status is no matter what your race your religion or whatever the case may be especially if you're working for a company where it is force ranking not everyone's going to be a not everyone's going to be in the top thirds or etc but the fact that I knew what the external feedback was based on the clients that I was working with externally as well as my internal feedback it did not correlate or or measure up to what my ranking came back as and whenever I disagreed with it the ranking books had already closed so in order to get it reversed you would have to go up to the VP level and at the time my manager was not willing to do that which resulted in me pulling out my phone and just writing down the words, chocolate drop in corporate America. Little did I know, Metz, that it was going to turn into a full-blown book.
0: Wow. Once again, you're taking uh, the negatives and turning it into something cathartic, I'm sure. But, positive also, did you find that there were a lot of people that had a similar story to you as you got feedback from from having your book out there and having people read it?
1: Yes, yeah, so I've met some great connections. So one guy in particular, his name is Diedrich Moon. He actually wrote a book talking about his experience working for the U.S. government and how he had to, you know, open, you know, some cases and etc. based on the treatment that he received. And at the time, he was a single father. There was a lot of complexities going on. So he said, if I would have never read your book, it would have never given me the courage and urge to share my story of what I went through working for the U.S. government. And then some other women, as well as um, some other people and people in general, I'm just going to say people as a big group, no matter if they were African-American or not, resonated with the book based on, you know, some of the things that they have gone through in their respective industries. And I tell people, even though the the title met says chocolate drop in corporate America, it's not necessarily for African-Americans, so don't be swayed by the title, but if you really are intentional and look at the cover of the book and you read the back cover, you will see that it applies to anyone in any industry based on what is going on. And I was very intentional on how the book design looked, the cover of the book, because I wanted it to speak volumes. And if you really take time to pay attention to the details, you'll see that it's kind of like a sense of humor because I'm that chocolate drop and I just happen to work in corporate America and I didn't want to say Hershey Kisses because I didn't want to be sued by the Hershey Company.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is wise. Uh, What are some behaviors or attitudes that might seem benign to one group in a corporate culture, but they're detrimental to other people?
1: Oh, so I would say... Um, code switching to some could be benign I would also say you know pay disparity especially if you're doing the same exact workload work and you have the same workload as somebody else and you find out via a you know public forum that the company had that your pay range or scale is nowhere near your peers and it's Clearly evident because something accidentally got shown on a screen in this forum. <laughs> I would oh. <laughs> I would definitely say diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging and not just from, you know, the standpoint of race, but also if anyone has any physical disabilities as well as invisible disabilities, if that individual doesn't feel like they have a place in the corporation or certain accommodations that could be detrimental to their career because they're not necessarily being seen or heard. So it's multifaceted whenever you think about DEI and let's just add the B in there which is belonging. It, it pertains to everyone, in my opinion.
0: If you were the decision maker in a corporation, if when, I'll say when, Genesis Amaris Kemp Industries has blown up and you are now in charge of a, a large organization, what are some of the ways that you might avoid those exact things in your organization?
1: So one thing that I could think of of off the top of my head is just asking the people, what is it that I can do for you? Because we don't wanna make assumptions. And I feel like in today's society, a lot of people make assumptions, but we've all heard the sentiments. If you make an assumptions, you make an ass out of you and I. So just ask people, what is it that you need so you can understand where they're coming from? Not saying that all their needs are going to be met, but if you have, you know, transparency and open communication and dialogue then you could work together to find that middle ground then when it comes to diversity equity inclusion and belonging don't just see it as a you know mere mere metric to check the box like make it evident is it the best person for the for the role that you're trying to staff for take away race like and look at their skills look at Is it something that they're interested in doing? Because if they're interested in doing it, they're going to work hard at it. They're going to want to be there to thrive, not just survive for a paycheck. And Also, see, is there career growth there for that individual? Are they going to want to be there for the long haul or are they just there to get their dollars and coins and check out because they're worried about building something else on the side? So that's a part of, you know, really being diverse, equitable, inclusive and belonging. Another thing that I would consider, too, whenever I do get to that um, to that leadership role, whether it's, you know, running my own corporation or, you know, working for someone and doing my stuff on the side, too, is ask yourself where where is it that i want this company to go and am i walking it like i'm talking it because you have sure. to lead by example because if you're putting rhetoric out there and you're not following your own rules your processes and guidelines it's kind of a bit of hypocrisy and they're going to like well she's not even following it what makes you think that i want to get in line and follow suit and stand in solidarity so we have to really lead by example and show them what it is that we want to see and how do we plan on making it an environment where you can condone that information and have a 360 um, policy meaning just like you're giving feedback be able to take feedback and the feedback is not always going to be conducive it may hurt your feelings it may step on your toes but You know, real truth hurts, but it's also going to help you personally and professionally. Once you actually take that feedback, let it marinate, soak in, and then you say, oh, man, okay, you know, this person said this, it was really messed up at the time. I wasn't hearing it, but I needed to hear that (laughs) in order to make the next move personally as well as professionally. And don't always think about profit over people. There needs to be a balance.
0: Isn't that the truth? Anyone who's worked in corporate America has felt that there's no doubt about it. And you see corporations shift over time in the general shift in corporate America. I'm an old man. Genesis, the general shift has been a downward trend towards people and an upward trend towards metrics and things that aren't necessarily worker forward. What's something we've talked on the macro level about the corporation. What's something on a micro level down to the individual that if, if you could coach somebody about how to go in to an organization and be more inclusive and be more keen to trying to encourage belonging amongst everyone that they're around and that they work with, what's some awareness things that a person could do to be better at that?
1: So, I would ask them, who are you? Because sometimes people, if they don't know who they are, they're going to fall victim to what the system wants them to be, what the world wants them to be, or etc. And at the end of the day, you're an individual for a reason. You're uniquely created for a reason. So, you have to be so confident in yourself, knowing what you bring to the table. And now that you're at the table, the part of inclusivity is making sure. That you do interact and you get along with those people. You may not be the best of buds or you know, chit chat like girlfriends or guy friends or whatnot, <laughs> but the fact that you can have open dialogue and you can be respectful, respect is given where respect is due. You be respectful just like you want someone else to be to be respectful to you. And you find a silver lining where you have some commonalities with those individuals where you can have those open dialogues and it doesn't need to be about work all, all the time. It could be about the same music you may like the same food you may like the same movies you may like or whatnot. And that could be a, a time of bonding to create some inclusivity. So if you work better on a, you know, on a, not necessarily macro level, but let's start with the micro level and you have some things in common Then, when it comes to the macro level of working together, you already have some form of ties and bondings where you already know that person on a somewhat personal level. And that's going to help you build that rapport with them professionally because they feel like they're seen and heard just like you feel seen and heard And you can have, I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back, (laughs) and you'll have that win win method. And it no longer becomes a WIFA method, which is what's in it for me, but then you change the me for we. What's in it for we? You see how I did that? Yeah. So something just so small. As connecting on a micro level can help with the macro level and you knowing who you are and not falling victim to that IS, that imposter syndrome, or trying to get in where you fit in, where you're sacrificing your morals and values to appease other people, because then you lose a sense of individuality. Does that help answer your question there, Mets?
0: You nailed it. You couldn't have done any better. That's excellent. Uh, shifting to uh genesis 2.0 what sort of factors lead a person to seek life coaching
1: oh gosh just knowing that things could just spiral out of control cuz i had that so i alluded earlier in the beginning to losing my father and losing my my job back to back but what i also did not share was 9 months and 5 days after my father passed i lost my grandmother so my dad's mom Ugh. Then after that uh, my husband and I were both laid off around the same time so he was laid off so we were literally living on Faith and Hope Street, took a leap of faith went down to the Caribbean to visit my family and when we got back to the States my other grandmother passed so (sighs) it's father loss, job loss grandma loss grandma loss um, other employment loss, so two sources of income loss and then (laughs) It's not funny. My cousin was diagnosed with cancer, ended up getting a bone marrow transplant. So that's oh a win. My
2: goodness.
1: But then she ends up passing in October last year. So another loss. So oh. I tell people sometimes someone's smiling on the outside, but you never know when they're screaming on the inside. Sure. And they may think they may think they have it all together, but then there's a spiral and that tornado effect going on inside of them where sometimes those circumstances will bring you to your knees. And it did bring me to, the, to my knees where I had to reevaluate my faith and I had to spend some time alone to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm spiraling out of control. I need some help from my professional. So that led to life coaching along with some other things. And then trying to balance everything, being, you know, a new mom. That was the sunshine in my experience Um, and being a married woman and just so many other complexes, um, complexities there that, you know, add to whatever else I had going on. But I knew that I couldn't fall apart because there were people in my life depending on me. So even though I was hurting and going through my own turmoil, I had to learn to be selfless versus selfish because i knew that other people were depending on me even though there were days where i wanted to be like deuces peace like you got this i'm trying to go through my own stuff but then (laughs) you know that will come across very rude very arrogant or whatever so the best thing i did was find a non-biased person that i didn't know to speak to that was an outlet in loop in lieu of what I had going on, which was life coaching. And I tell people asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength.
0: For sure. So what do you think gets in the way of someone seeking life coaching?
1: Finances could be one. If you don't have the finances to pay for it and you're coming out of pocket. Um, another thing is like since I'm Caribbean descent, some... Some cultures don't believe in talking about your problems to other people. So that could be another thing. A third thing could be, you know, feeling shame, guilt, remorse. Your ego could be in the way. And you could think, oh, "Oh, I have it all together. When in actuality, you don't have it all together. And you're like a loose cannon. And I tell people, a TNT. And I said, I turned my TNT, instead of being an explosive, into transition and transformation because I knew I wanted to blow my life up in a good way not in a bad way (laughs) Uh,
0: knock down some big barriers that were ahead of you
1: (laughs) exactly Matt so those are three things and the list could go on and on and it just depends where someone is in their life journey but I'm here trying to speak to you and speak to your audience to let your audience know be willing to ask for help when needed whether it's a life coach whether it's a a therapist, whether it is a paid and trained professional, where you can go work on your inner emotions, your inner ego, some people say your inner demons, I don't want to say demons, because I don't want to call that upon myself, whatever the sure. whatever the case is, or, and whatever you're dealing with, know that you're not alone in going through it. And the point of breakthrough Is that, yes, you're going to be broken, but you're going to make it through. If you see past the stop sign, if you see past the yellow light that is blinking, that's cautionary, you know on the other side of that is going to be greatness. And you're not always going to be in the valley. Those valley moments are going to set you up for success. And then you're going to have your hilltops. It may not be when you want it to be, but it's going to come when you need it to come.
0: Yeah. Did you feel, uh, or do you feel that you're often a person that on the outside, everyone thinks everything's going okay, regardless of the amount of turmoil that's going on inside?
1: Oh yeah, most definitely. And I can, <laughs> I could definitely attest to that. Cause I had lunch with an old coworker from my oil and gas company and she's like, I had no idea you were going through all this.
0: It's how we go about things because we don't want to bring people around us down. You want to be a source of happiness, joy, light, whatever it is. But the danger to that is you seldom have people asking you, are you okay? I think that's the downside to it. I'm very similar in that way. People will say, I can't believe that you were struggling with this or struggling with that. Then it's on you to try to figure it out and go, like you said, get therapy Get a life coach because you don't have people constantly telling you, you know, oh Genesis, it seems like you've been down a little bit lately. Have you thought about talking to someone?
1: Yeah. I, I definitely um and I like when you said that, Mets, because it brings out a very valid point because, like I say, sometimes people could put on these facades and you may not even know you're putting on a facade. Sure. Or you could Paint yourself up, whether you're putting on makeup or you could dress yourself up to just look good because you just don't want to entertain or open Pandora's box. Because if you know that you say, I'm, I'm okay But you're really not okay. Or if you say, let's reverse it and say, I'm not okay, but I'm working on becoming okay. People may want to probe, and they may think that they're helping, or they may project onto you what they're going through, or they may make assumptions, or or they may make some type of you know comment or whatnot. And then, versus the conversation going one way, it could go down south real quick, and you're like, see. That's why I should have just kept my mouth shut. And right. before you know it, then you could sever a relationship based on the words that were spoken. Because when yeah. those faux pas come out Oof. and those words are said, you can't take those words back and eat them and swallow them back down. You it's can't. Fact. And I've had those with, with my sister. And I just, you know, I just had to let bygones be bygones. And, you know, right now we're in a spot where we're loving each other from the balcony.
0: Yeah. That's tough. I think it boils down to, we feel sometimes like we don't want to show our vulnerabilities, but being vulnerable is a real type of strength, but it doesn't always feel that way. You mentioned a Caribbean background. My Western European background, my parents were like, get over it. I think that might've been the easiest way to describe their philosophy. You're hurt. Do we need to go to the hospital? No, then stop crying. Get over it. And if you're upset right now, well, get over it. <laughs> so uh, it, it makes it where you kind of lean away from allowing yourself to be vulnerable around other people.
1: Yeah. And I could see where, where you're coming from because I think my husband is raised race that way and he's not Western European or Caribbean descent. He's truly American and um sometimes they don't play into wanting to talk about emotions because when you talk about that it could be a sense of weakness or they're like boys don't cry boys should be tough or whatever the case may be and you know that's taking away some emotional connections and it's having you closed off or whatever the case may be and i feel like sometimes when you want to be vulnerable you're like is someone going to play into my vulnerability or take my kindness for weakness or
0: you got it, or
1: whatever the case may be. So people, you know, put up this wall around them, like they're Fort Knox or Fortnite. And they're like, you know, I'm going to be okay, I'm going to be tough and strong or whatnot. But then behind closed doors, they're really not okay. And they may be self medicating themselves. They may be doing some other coping mechanisms or whatever the case may be. And you know, it may go down a rabbit hole where, you know, It's hard to come out of that. And whenever somebody does discover that, someone that loves them, they're like, oh, my gosh, when did this start? Like, why didn't you talk to nobody or whatever? And they're trying to pinpoint it. But it's already reached a certain point where the damage is already done. But can those damages be irreversed and, you know, go back? Yes, it can. But those emotions, those situations, those circumstances, they can be, you know, for um, forgotten, but it may take a while for them to overcome that in my opinion. And it's, it's hard, it's a hard road. And I say that personally, as well as professionally from, you know, working in, you know, not just the oil and gas space, but also having some type of, you know, background working with, you know, people like, let's, I'll just say this without being, um, Diving into it. Whenever I had a short stint in the medical field, I was working um, in the oncology department for a cancer center and dealing with with those um, individuals that are going through certain things, a lot of times they didn't want to necessarily talk about what was going on because, you know, yeah. it could be traumatizing, but they found joy in listening to somebody mm. else and seeing hope, seeing happiness and et cetera, because they knew what they sure. were going through. If they talk about it with someone else who does not have cancer or who's never been down that road, they're not going to be able to have any type of empathy, any type of sympathy, any type of compassionate. Because they don't really understand what that individual is going through mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, dot, dot, dot. So having a sign of vulnerability there can be detrimental to them because you may engage in a conversation where somebody... (laughs) Just takes you as pity, and then they think that you're an invalid and can't do anything for right. for yourself, so they're like, oh, here we go again, like I'm not incapable, I'm fully capable, but I do want some form of empathy. I'm not asking you to pity me, and that's the <sighs> difference.
0: I'll shift just a little bit here. What is your favorite story to tell?,
1: <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> favorite story to tell? You know, I'm gonna dig deep here. I would say when I first went to the Caribbean, like when my mom and dad took me there and We were going through the airport because we didn't have a direct flight to St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So we were traveling on Air Jamaica. This airline is no longer in business. And we stopped in Jamaica. And I remember telling my mom, mom, that's my friend calling. And my mom's like, no, it's not. Come on, let's go. We need to get our. And I said, no, it really is. And then so I told my dad and my dad was like, oh, yeah. That that does look like Colin, and so I was like, "Well, Dad, let's go." And I walked up, and I was like, "Colin!" And it sure enough, it was Colin. She's like, "What are you doing in Jamaica?" I was like, "Well, we're actually, you know, here for a layover, a short layover, and we're getting ready to head back." And so, heading back, we were actually both leaving Jamaica on the same time to come back to the state. So we found out we were on the same flight. We had all these little things to talk about, and then I just remember telling my mom, "See, I told you."
0: that's awesome what a coincidence
1: it, it was just a weird coincidence but i was like you know what sometimes life isn't coincidence sometimes things just do happen for a particular reason during the season
0: sure absolutely on the flip side what's a regret that has informed you to be a better person
1: Oh, definitely COVID-19 and not asking more questions whenever someone goes into the hospital setting. Because hindsight 2020, if I knew that taking my dad to the hospital for his blood sugar being elevated... And dehydration would have resulted in my dad being paralyzed. Three days later, I would have never taken him there. I would have just, you know, did telemedicine or whatever I could have done because I do believe in my heart of hearts. My dad would still be alive because that was a hard time for everyone, you know, whether you were in the medical field or not, because the hospitals were overpopulated and understaffed and no one knew we were going to be in a pandemic. No one knew. So it was definitely a whirlwind
0: right and it informs you to be a better person how
1: oh it informs me to be a better person because sometimes you need to give other people grace just like you want grace you have to be willing to ask hard questions even though it may not be conducive for the environment or the time that you're in questions are made to ask and there's a reason why certain things need to be asked whether you get the answer you want to hear or not it's still valid in my opinion, for you to ask that questions, because if not, you'll always have those what ifs, and you can't go back and change, you know, history, no matter how hard or how bad you want to. Um, it made me be a better person because now, whenever life is taken, you don't take life for granted because someone somewhere else is wishing that they had what you had or had some of the abilities you had but you're fully capable you're able to walk you're able to see or whatnot and you take them the minor things for granted like oh i don't feel like working out but what about that person who has a disability and they're wishing they had legs to work out or walk you know um sure just very various things and you, you learn to become more grateful and just appreciate what you have and you know like the song says live like you were dying that country yeah. western song
0: <laughs> what other projects do you have in the works genesis
1: um hmm quite a bit <laughs> so i'm definitely working on getting my podcast up to 800 episodes. I want to do that before the year ends. I'm at 744 right now. Um, And I started November 25th, 2020.
0: So definitely. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible.
1: Thank you. I definitely want to boost my podcast metrics right now. I'm in the top one and a half percent globally. So I just moved up ranking there. So I'm super excited about that
0: congratulations. That's outstanding.
1: Thank you so much, Matt. And Uh, just being a great mommy to my beautiful bundle. And there's some others out there, but I'll leave those three for now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're extraordinarily busy. That that I know. So I, Genesis, really enjoyed our time. Uh, Thank you for dazzling us with a little bit of the light you put into the world brightsiders go to genesis website and find all the great things she's doing the links posted in the description of this podcast episode thanks very much again genesis for being here
1: my pleasure mads and thank you for having me and thank you audience for checking me out let's do life together let's pop it up
0: everybody loves a compliment so if you'd be so kind Give the podcast a five-star rating and write a brief review. After this inspiration music, hit pause and plunk those characters with a few kind words. Thank you. And also, please share us on your social media. However you see fit to spread the bright side is very much appreciated. Thank you again so much for listening, and as always, stay positive and keep looking for the bright side of things.
1: If you dig it, do it. And if you really dig it, do it twice.
0: (laughs) Yo! Bring that
1: fire, trench baby!
2: one Hey, fuck all the talking, you want me, come give me my niggas, don't care if y'all the niggas toting, he want to argue and text when I catch on my side, man, The story be different in person, I'm trying to stay out that way with just me and the gang, I be busy, I'm running up tokens, fuck all the distance, just send me the Eddie and my niggas slide to something like lotion, fat, 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 fat. Five, five sixes. he got the leaning like he off the potion, he on the floor, steady begging for life, he was coughing up blue while we laughing and joking, I'm really sliding to something that's stolen, I had a talk with my brody, I'm chosen, I'ma get rich and I swear I'ma show him, he said keep rapping, so I'ma keep going, exploring this city and getting it, poppy was scattering out like a human of roaches fuck all the hoes bro i'm trying to stay focused it ain't no love i ain't showing emotion broke all the body and he just been itching when we in the street we just caught in the rolling something like windows we slide they open janitor boys who the wedding, and soaked them. fucking with hoes and be thinking with dicks bro i guess you ain't heard about medicine she wrote it chilling with demons that skillin' for free if a bag in the air do you know they get on it never stay like in ferris they posted. and i remember them lights still you know they're no lights but i swear we ain't never had motion caught him at night he was at a green light but you know if you grab me the doctor i saw him. get in that room and start talking and folding i was Young and am getting thugging in love with that money, my purple is taking the folders, I'm on my way to the top but I keep getting stopped, cause the devil can grab my shoulder, I be up thinking that night, so confused about life, it had changed ever since I got older fuck that, You got your pipe, hop out that hoop and start upping and blowing it, he got the running from losing his life, 30s and 40s, I'm tired of the talking, do over and bodies, it's on my like. coming to shoot, I ain't coming to fight you just be talking and you never bothered, if you really bothered, I'm coming at night, shout out your buddy, he next to the angels and he really bigger than all of the fights. I gotta switch it, yeah, I'm towing the dyke, riding the shockers and getting some money, I come from a struggle and riding bikes Me and my brother, we forever 30 You know we the toughest, you're rolling the dice